Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way.
Would you guys turn and greet and say hello and welcome people here that you haven't seen? Buddy, come give me five. Give me nuts, man. Yeah, good job. Maybe it'll get warmer. We'll see. Well, it is good to be together today, isn't it? It is so wonderful to gather together and to worship our Lord and our Savior. And I am so thankful for you today. I'm so thankful that you are here worshiping with me today. And children, they are having their own time of worship um, beginning right at the beginning of the service. So they are already back in the back. So if you are fifth grade and under, there is a wonderful opportunity for you to worship with other kids back in the children's area. So you could go ahead and make your way back there. And Miss Tracy's back there waiting for you with all, all kinds of wonderful activities for you today. But I also just want to welcome each one of you. And if you are new today, I'd like you to grab this card that is there on your seat and just fill that out for us, and you can put that in the offering plate. And any information that you might have had that has changed, we would like to know that too. And each week, there is an e-blast that goes out that gives you all the activities that's going on. If for some reason you are not getting that e-blast, we really want you to get that. So go ahead and put your name and your email on that card, and we'll make sure that you get that this week. Thank you so much. There's also a second card there that we want to be praying for you. So if there's anything in your life or in your family or friends' lives that we can be praying about, please let us know what that is. And just write that down, and you can put that in the offering plate as well. Also, Wednesday night, I tell you what, this is a church that prays. And it's been wonderful to be a part of your Wednesday night prayer time. From 6.30 to 7.30, we gather right here in this sanctuary and we pray together. And I want to invite you to come and to pray. It's a powerful time of prayer together. And I know some of you may say, I'm not comfortable praying out loud. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray in any way that you are comfortable with that. And there is no pressure to pray out loud or to do anything that's uncomfortable. So just come on out, 6.30 to 7.30, Wednesday night, right here in the sanctuary. Next Sunday, we're going to be sharing the sacrament of communion together as a church family. So just pray that you'll prepare your hearts for that time of communion next Sunday. And that will be a wonderful time. Also, I hear there is an incredible youth group here at WLC and PB and I are going to join them tonight at 4.30 downstairs in the youth room. And we are really looking forward to that. So if you are a teenager, 
uh, grab, invite some friends to come, 4.30 this afternoon, and I think it'll be a great time together. And you can always look at the calendar um, on our website to see what is going on throughout the week. There's a lot of wonderful opportunities throughout the week, and I'd love for you to come and join us. God bless you. bet this looks good on the live stream, right? <laughs> it doesn't look powered up to me. Here, use this, and then we'll get to fix. Sweet. Before message time. You want to hear the message today, right? That's probably what we call pastor error. My apologies. Hey, I wanted to say thank you uh, for giving. These last couple of years have been a bit different uh, on a lot of levels, and I'm grateful to this church for their giving. Uh, We're thinking about the promises of God these days, and I thought back to that Malachi 3 passage that if you've been around the church long enough, you've probably heard, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And God says, test me in this, and if you do, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't be able to contain it. You know, when I was little, I uh, didn't have a job, wasn't earning any wages, but I would get a birthday card. And I can remember my grandma or grandpa or my Aunt Betty or Uncle Bill putting a dollar bill in my, in my birthday card. And my mom taught us to tithe. So if I got a dollar bill in my birthday card, I'd put a dime in the offering plate that Sunday at church. I have uh, been doing that my entire life, and I have proven that promise to be true. I'll bet many of you have as well. Uh, Let's be faithful to God in our giving and bringing the tithes and the offerings that he has blessed us with in this life, and uh, we do that uh, now. I'm going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving before we wait on you for those uh, tithes and offerings. God, thank you for all the ways that you've given to us, and in this season of the year especially, and, and all the time, Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, for you so loved the world that you gave, God, our giving time and talent and treasure is just our grateful response to what you've already done for us. We give you thanks and bring these offerings to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight. 
pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you 
Thank you for being here this morning and welcoming us in. Lord, we need you here. And we want you here. And we're getting ready to praise you and worship you. And Lord, we are excited about that. So we're asking you to come in, Jesus. Come in, Holy Spirit, and make yourself at home here this morning. This is all about you. And your kids have come to step into your throne room and worship you, Jesus, in your name. All God's people say amen. Would you guys stand and we'll continue to worship? I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm looking for, I was looking forward to seeing all of you. It's so nice. I get the best seat in the house. So I get to look out and see you all smiling and ready for Jesus. Are you ready? All right, let's worship. And we're going to do the new song we learned last week again. Did anybody go home singing that all week? I did. I heard somebody humming it this morning when they came in. So it's stuck in our heads, and that's a good thing. So we're going to worship him now. Ready, buddy? Yeah!
Amen. Ah, you guys see this little guy? We got a worship leader coming up. That's awesome. Be praying for him. His name's Logan. Right, buddy? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you ready to keep going, Logan? Should we keep praising Jesus? Okay, let's do it. <laughs>
looked at me, he goes, hey, man. <laughs> oh, wow, God is good. He is so worth celebrating. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we're all in the same room with him in his throne room? It is going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. And he's going to be up there clapping with us. He's going to love hearing us all together. So I'm excited about that. I wanted to read real quick to you this next song that we're doing, this scripture out of Philippians. It, you guys will recognize this. We haven't done it for a while. So it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and in the earth and every tongue acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Awesome. He's so good. You're doing a good job, Logan. You know, Jesus loves you a whole bunch. Huh? That's right. That's why we sing to him so we can love him back, huh? <laughs> All right, let's continue to worship.
shouts of praise today. We look forward to that day, Lord Jesus, when we will stand in your presence with people from every nation and tribe and tongue, from every age. And I pray that we would be able to stand in your presence that day without fault and with great joy by your blood by your grace by your mercy we've given you our praise today Father and you're worthy of it now Father we think about our world and we bring our needs to you we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine about the Loring son and wife that will be heading there soon with Samaritan's Purse. God, go before them and give them uh, fruit in their ministry. Keep them safe. How we think about other areas of the world today that are hurting, that are war-torn, that are facing difficulty. God, have mercy. And strengthen your church wherever your church is. Strengthen this church, our church back home, our kids' churches, our grandkids' churches today as across this country and around this world, your people gather. Oh God, fill us with your spirit these days. Stir our hearts. 
make us salt and light in this world that you love so much that you gave your only begotten Son. Father, we pray for our own people we love and share the journey with that are sick and struggling. We bring them to you today. Pray for their healing. Pray for your help. Pray that in those situations that seem so hopeless, that you bring hope. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for the privilege of coming together in worship. Now, God, give us ears to hear your word and hearts open to the work that you are certainly wanting to do in us. We offer ourselves to that end, oh God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord is good. Amen. I was walking my dog Millie this morning about 7.30 or so, and as I was walking out of the parking lot, uh, Jeff back there was pulling in in his nice Mustang, and when I got back from my walk about 20, 25 minutes later, there were another five or six vehicles uh, in the parking lot, uh, thanks to those that show up two and a half three hours early to get us ready for a beautiful time of worship like this. Amen? Amen. They deserve a round of applause. The promises of God, we've been thinking about uh, them these days, and there's that Max Lucado quote that has been encouraging me, and perhaps you as well. I asked uh, last Sunday that you email Kelly and I a promise that's encouraging you these days, and that very day... Uh, Dick Ronk emailed me with a promise that has encouraged him, and uh, he sent me an email, and uh, he said uh, this, when you asked today to respond with our favorite promise, two thoughts came to mind immediately. The first was the old-time chorus, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. I like that. All those promises of God are for His people, every one of them. The second thing that came to his mind was that his mother prayed the 91st Psalm and claimed God's promises there on my behalf every day that I was in Vietnam, 1968, 1969. I think, Dick, you might have been there the same time as my stepdad. Could we read uh, this Psalm together? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. I believe that's from the old King James Version. My guess is that might be what your mom was reading from. That psalm goes on to include some uh, promises of protection and deliverance, and Dick believes that his mom's prayers greatly contributed to his coming home in one piece, and he'd like to think relatively sane. That might be a little questionable. No way. Anyway, thank you, Dick, for that promise. So Kelly and I would love to have a promise that God is using to encourage you these days. So there's our email address. Again, send those to us, and uh, we'll continue to claim and celebrate a promise of God 
uh, each and every Sunday we're together in this season. Amen? We'll try to include those email addresses in that email blast that goes out every Tuesday uh, this coming week and in the weeks ahead. People are good to uh, ask us how we're doing and if we're uh, acclimating, and uh, we are. Uh, Thank you. Can't believe this will be my third time preaching to you already. And I would say, fear not, I am not going to preach every Sunday for the entire time that we're going to be here. Uh, Kelly's going to preach some, and she's a good preacher and isn't as long-winded as me, so people really like her preaching, and there will be others that will do that as well. But I've wanted to preach uh, each Sunday for the first six or eight weeks, and uh, back while we were still preparing for this ministry with you in Maryland, uh, God put some messages on my heart that uh, seemed to lay the foundation for our sharing the journey together for these few months. And so, uh, for the next few weeks, it'll be me. At first Sunday, I preached on the subject of hope. It's, it's easy to get discouraged, uh, disappointed, angry at times, and, and we will experience those emotions. But by faith, we have all the reason in the world to be hopeful. Amen? Makes me think of one of my favorite hymns, the final verse. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus, who died, shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. There's that certain hope we have in Christ. I want to be hopeful these days and can be. And then last Sunday, I preached uh, on this matter of being called, called by God. And with that uh, calling comes purpose and significance and worth and urgency and commitment to and trust in that call. And sometimes that's all that keeps us going, to be honest. But my hope and prayer for you is that there are many more days when the goodness and grace and love of God that we've sung about here this morning lightens your burden and sends you on your way singing. Amen? And that's a good segue to today's message. I'll take up in the next three weeks the three great calls of God, and today my message will be called to God. Let's open our Bibles and Bible apps to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. When in the fullness of time God came in the person of our Lord Jesus, He called men and women to Him. We see the first of that in the opening chapter of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 1 Let's begin down there at uh, verse 14. Mark chapter 1 at verse 14. There it is for you. After John, the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. 
I'm still learning your little clicker here. My apologies for not being better. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, later to be named Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting an net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Love that. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men and followed him. Then flip over to Mark chapter 3, down at verse 13. From among all those who were following Jesus near the beginning of his ministry, he chose 12, and this is the account of that selection. At verse 13, Mark 3, Jesus went up into the hills and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son, uh, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, woo, Boanerges, that's close, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. That is the word of the Lord. Thank you. That's a little bit of liturgy that I think is just good because we acknowledge that we have heard his word. Praise be to his name and thank God for it. When Jesus came calling, he would be asking those who would follow to do some things. Proclaim the good news, heal the sick, drive out demons, love their neighbor been good getting to know people around here, and I've gotten to know Zephaniah and Amber and Dick. And I'm thinking when Dan or Lori or uh, Sherry or Corey or Lynn call out in the house for Dick or Zephaniah or uh, Amber, it may be because they want them to do something. Dick! (laughs) Something needs done. And Jesus did the same. But note that Jesus' call was first of all to himself. Come, follow me. Jesus didn't hand them a book and say, here, follow this. He said, follow me. And just in case you think that only applied to those first disciples who literally follow Jesus from village to village and town to town. In case you think that that command was just just for that time when Jesus was physically present here on earth, fast forward to John chapter 21 and a conversation Jesus had with that disciple, John, on the verge of Jesus' departure, and he repeated the very same command, but you, all your life, follow me, just like we follow him without Jesus being physically present. It was the first command of Jesus. In this matter of calling, God's first and greatest call to us is to Him. 
Relationship is at the heart of Christian faith. There's the message today. First and foremost, our restored relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's why Christ died, to reconcile us to God. And just to anticipate next Sunday's message a bit, our relationships with each other stand right next to our relationship with God at the heart of Christian life and faith. And to put anything else at the heart of Christian life and faith is to get seriously off track. This past Friday morning at that wonderful Bible study that Dr. Jim Christie leads, we reminded ourselves, us men, that as important as sacred as these inspired, uh, preserved, sacred scriptures are, they are a means to a greater end, an intimate and experiential relationship with God. They make us wise for salvation. They don't save us. God saves. But they introduce us to God and become in God's hands in the ministry of the Holy Spirit an opportunity for us to know Him. Amen? To the religious leaders who were opposing Jesus, Jesus said, John chapter 5, you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They had gotten to the place where their religion had become an end in itself, and they missed the fact that religion is meant to be a means to a relationship with God who's here today and loves us and is present and working. You better believe that the commands of God are important. We need to do what God says, amen? But to place those commands at the center of our Christian life and faith is to run the risk of a legalism that will suck the joy and the life and the love right out of that faith of ours. Those commands of God and the truth He has revealed, even the hard-to-hear truth about ourselves, is meant to be received in a relationship with God who loves us and extends grace to us and, in fact, helps us to keep those commands and live that truth out. It's meant to be done together with God. And, by the way, to anticipate next Sunday's message, with the encouragement of each other. And when that's happening, you'll find that obedience will be your desire. And in fact, much of the time, you'll be able to serve with joy. We watched a beautiful uh, true story at movie night this past Friday. That's a good time. Good food, good movies, being together. Make plans to, to come next month when we do it again. But we watched this story about a man named Jonathan Sperry who reached out to some boys at his neighborhood, encouraging them to read their Bible and do what was right. We need to do that. And Jonathan Sperry loved those boys and invested in them and went the extra mile to be there for them, just like God does for us. The heart of your Christian life and faith is Jesus. 
a living, breathing person. Relationship, relationship, relationship. The first and greatest call of God is to himself. Come follow me, Jesus says. It lines up with that first and greatest commandment. Jesus, of all the commandments in this scripture, which is the greatest? Without hesitation, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The implication in Jesus' answer is that everything else, all the other obedience we need to be about, will follow if we're in a loving relationship with God. Years ago in our church back in uh, Maryland, we brought in a consulting group to help us um, assess where we were and plan forward, much like uh, we did last weekend here at WLC. And as uh, will be true for you, the end result of that uh, consulting group's visit to us was a three-ring binder with lots of feedback and lots of information and lots of ideas about uh, what we could uh, do here to grow and discern God's uh, plan for us and improve in our life and ministry together. But of all the things that that group left with us, they were called Living Stones, headed by a beautiful uh, guy named Eddie Hall. Of all the things that they left with us, I remember two. One was in the cover letter for that uh, three-ring binder of information, and he described our church as a church that was trying too hard. I've never forgotten that, and he was right. And then the other thing that I remember was a personal conversation that he had with me. He said, Ben, make sure you get some vine time. In other words, you're a busy guy. You're working hard. You're going gangbusters, but you need to consistently call time out and just be with Jesus. John 15, we're the branches. He's the vine. In that Mark chapter 3 passage, did you catch the importance of the order of things there? Back down to verse 13, Jesus went up into the hills and called to him, there it is again, those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them to preach. I believe that order is so crucial. In his book, A Conversation with Jesus, Stephen Siemens, a former professor at Asbury Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, tells the story about Samuel Logan Brengel. I'm betting uh, Harry and uh, Barbara recognize that name. A spiritual giant and outstanding leader in the Salvation Army. He was asked what had been his greatest temptations in ministry. Brengel thought for a moment, then replied, Actually, I have one temptation in ministry. If I win the battle with this temptation, everything else in my life and ministry falls into place. It's the temptation to want to do something for God each day before I spend time with Him. In that same book, Siemens likens our Christian life to some marriages. For those of us that are, have been married, my guess is you married that uh, man, that woman, because you love them. You wanted to be with them. You wanted to spend your life with them. And so you got married and you began the journey. And when you get married, 
Sometimes you have kids. Maybe you bought a house or you rent an apartment or maybe you have a, a, a yard to cut. You got vehicles to maintain. You, you, you accumulate stuff. And Seaman says if we're not careful, we can be so consumed with the care and maintenance of the things which come from that relationship that we neglect the relationship itself. Does that resonate with anybody? And what can happen in a marriage can happen in our relationship with God as Christians. Pretty soon we're busy with all the things that come along with that, and they're good things. But we neglect the relationship itself. And just to anticipate next Sunday's message, if I keep saying that, you won't have to come next Sunday because I've preached it. The same thing can happen in the life and ministry of our church. We can be so busy with all the things that come with that that we neglect the relationship that brings us together in the first place. Relationship, relationship, relationship. In that conversation Jesus had with Peter, John chapter 21, on the threshold of Jesus' departure and of his sending those disciples out, Jesus did not ask Peter, are you ready? He asked Peter, do you love me? And when Peter three times answered, I do love you, then Jesus said, then Jesus said, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, relationship first. A.W. Tozier, uh, 20th Century Christian Missionary Alliance pastor, said this, the continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of New Testament faith. The world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of His presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter the presence and spiritual experience to become suddenly aware that we are in God and God is in us. I thought of that third verse, Isaiah chapter 26. I grew up uh, with that uh, in the King James. Um, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. Almost certainly wherever there's trouble, division, discouragement, lack of passion, or compassion, there's pride, or power grabs, or strife. Something or someone else has taken center stage in her life. It's almost certain that the living, loving Jesus is not Lord and center of who we are. Follow me, Jesus said. Come to me, Jesus invites And not just at the beginning of our journey, but all along the way. Abide in me, Jesus said. Remain in me. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It must remain. It must remain in the vine. So here's the question. How's my relationship with Jesus these days? 
I'm asking myself that. You know, I'm a hearer as much as a speaker on a Sunday morning. How's my relationship with Jesus these days? Does he stir me? Does my heart burn within me as I walk with him along the road like those disciples heading back to Emmaus? It's the Holy Spirit's presence in my life bearing the kind of fruit that makes me more and more like him. How's my relationship? My relationship with Jesus. In our relationship with God, in Christ, there are two very important, sacred, timeless practices and privileges. Prayer and worship. I've appreciated the efforts that I've seen Lori make to uh, lead this church in prayer and worship. Thank you for that, Lori. guys are just a firming bunch of people. That's a good thing. We'll come back to this multiple times over the course of the time we're here together. Sounds like uh, this isn't new. Let me just spend a few minutes on each of those before I wind down. Prayer. How important is communication to a good relationship? That question makes me flash back to Kelly and I's pre-marriage counseling. We met at seminary out in Kansas City, our Nazarene seminary. Last place on the face of the earth, I thought I'd meet my my wife, uh, seminary. Not exactly the halls of romance, but anyway. (laughs) We had a professor, and we asked our professor to do our pre-marriage counseling. It was one session, and all the attention was on me, and the subject was communication. He sensed that I had plenty of work to do in that department, and he was right. (laughs) I'm still working on that. Maybe a lot of guys are. Um, During our assessment weekend last week, I think we heard over and over and over again, we need to work on our communication around here, and uh, we're committed to doing that. You'll see some things in the next few weeks that will help that along, we believe. Communication is uh, crucial to any good relationship, including our relationship with God. Prayer is simply talking and listening to God. We can and need to do that every day without ceasing, Paul said. And here's the good news. You don't have to be eloquent or know exactly what to say. don't have to have just the right words to pray. Um. Maybe those of us that have been or are parents remember a time when one of our kids come to us trying to communicate a need. (laughs) Something like that. You're like, what? But that doesn't hinder us from wrapping our arms around those kids and and just loving them and, and trying to find out what they need and doing something about it. That's just like God with us. These men that followed Jesus saw him praying one day. And when Jesus was finished, they said to him, Lord, 
teach us to pray. And he gave them a, uh, a very simple prayer. And he said, when you pray, say. Can we pray this together this morning? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And when you don't know what to say or how to pray, I've got more good news. Romans 8, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And in that same chapter, Paul reminds us that Jesus is praying for us too. And so when you pray, you're just joining in on something that is happening in heaven's realm continuously. That's true of worship too. As we worship this morning, lifting up songs of praise to God, we were joining the host of heaven who are continuously before the throne of God in worship. Worship is getting my attention off of myself and everyone and everything else and giving my full attention to God in praise for who He is and thanks for what He's done. It's to acknowledge Him in good times and, and bad times, bright days and dark nights of the soul. I'm not on Facebook much, but uh, check it a couple times a day for a few minutes. And yesterday I saw a colleague of mine back in Ohio posted a video uh, of eight Ukrainian Christians singing the goodness of God. Anybody else see that? Oh, my goodness. Right there in the middle of a war-torn country. We should make this time of worship uh, on Sunday morning together a priority. Uh, who put that picture of my granddaughter back in my slideshow? I saw that again this week, and I thought, what, what a, a blessing for little Emmy to grow up with the church, to be on the front row of Calvary uh, Church of the Nazarene, at three months old, and I pray that every Sunday it finds her right there with the church family, praising God and hearing His Word and encouraging each other. We ought to make it a priority, amen? I'm grateful for that in my own life. But worship isn't just a Sunday morning thing, it's an everyday life experience, amen? Scott Meyer back here reminded me of this, there's a beautiful moment in the Old Testament after Jacob learns that Joseph is still alive, and he's been reunited with that most beloved son, and he and Joseph have just had a conversation, Genesis 47, and after Joseph walks away, the Bible says that Jacob worshiped God as he leaned on his staff, and with Scott, I love that picture, just out there under 
the sky, uh, perhaps I imagine looking off into the distance, just thinking about all that God had done for him over the course of his long life. And he just worshiped. Near the beginning of uh, 2021, I was having a time of uh, prayer and being in the Word, sitting in an old recliner that's still in the corner of our living room back in that old farmhouse. I uh, rocked our firstborn daughter to sleep the first night she was home in that recliner. We still have it. And I was sitting there, and I got to thinking about the words to the hymn, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness, over me, underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. And it was just encouraging me. And it got me to thinking about times our family had gone to the beach growing up. And I imagine being there on the beach. Imagination is a God-given ability, don't you know? And often he uses that in my life to encourage me. And I was thinking about our times at the beach. I was kind of a sand guy. I didn't like to get out on the water a whole lot. Once in a while, I'd go out there after the girls begged me, and I'd do a little boogie boarding or body surfing or whatever. And mostly, I liked to build sandcastles up on the beach or sit under an umbrella with a good book. That was my favorite thing to do at the beach. But all around us, people laughing and throwing a frisbee, and then behind us, you know, the hotels and all the hubbub there and the traffic on the road that, that runs along the beach. And And in that quiet time with God that day in that recliner in our living room, I got to thinking about the beach and the sea, and it became a uh, kind of microcosm of life. And the beach and all the activity and all the hubbub was life. And then I imagined myself walking down to the water's edge and looking out at the sea. Doug Franks, that's uh, Ocean City. We talked about it before service, didn't we? And down there at the water's edge, looking out at nothing but ocean, as far as the eye can see, you can't see or hear all the hubbub back here, just that ocean. And that ocean that just seems to go on forever, for me in that moment, represented God. And I realized that that... uh, that walk down to the water's edge and my giving my attention out there is like a call to prayer, like a call to worship. And it's become an image that challenges me to do that in my life. Come away. Turn it off. Get alone. And just see Jesus. Worship God. That stirred me, continues to. I've written this quote in the uh, front of my Bible. Uh, Ran across this last several years. Worship is God's compass for people continually reorienting themselves as they live the summon life, recalled life. Worship and prayer. Follow me. Come to me. 
called that we might be with him. Called to God himself. It's the first and greatest call, not just at the beginning of our journey, but all along the way and to the end. And here's the thing. When our relationship with God is all that it was intended to be and at the center of our Christian life and faith, we'll find the grace and the love to do our part in making all of our relationships what they were intended to be. We'll find all the power and love to do all that God has called us to do. We'll find the peace we long for in the midst of these turbulent times. When we pray, when we worship, when we see beyond the temporary, when we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, when we abide in Him, when we acknowledge Him, it changes things. It changes our perspective. It changes us. He changes us. Just in the few weeks that we've been here together, uh, I'll have to say that our walks in the neighborhood and looking around at these mountains with these pines and those reminders of God's promises have been a call to worship for me, a call to prayer. Oh, my goodness, what a help that is. When I bring my frustrations and hurts to the foot of the cross and look up into the face of Jesus, my frustrations and hurts don't seem nearly so big. When I have someone that aggravates the dickens out of me or that has disappointed me or hurt me or that I have not made as much of an effort to understand as I should have, and there's somebody like that, you know what I do? I imagine me and that person and Jesus in the middle. We're holding hands and walking the road together. And with that picture... I pray for them. When I'm not feeling very hopeful, when I'm hunkered down in my office trying to figure out how we're going to meet budget or uh, face this situation or solve that problem, I just mm, get wrapped around the axle. I push back, walk out, and spend some time with God. When I want to exit stage right, give up on that relationship, that situation, that task. As soon as I get my mind and my heart and my eyes off that and onto him, I find the grace and the desire to keep on going. That's relationship. That's Christ at the center. That's the power of prayer and worship which bring us into intimate contact 
with the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Does that all make sense? Come back to that question. How's your relationship with Christ? I don't know about you, but I would confess that God frequently needs to remind me, hey, Ben, I know you're a doer, hard worker, got lots of things to get done. You make lists. You're a little task-oriented. Time to call time out. Come on back. Just be with me. Anybody else like that? It may be that as we ask ourselves the question, how's my relationship with, with Christ? It may be that that time, the desire for prayer and worship is a good indication. But don't let those things just be another thing to check off your list. One more thing you have to do. It's a means to a relationship with a God that loves you. Oh, my goodness that has given you the gift of life, that's allowed you to live to see this day, that has a plan for you. Hope in a future. Maybe this morning someone needs to come back to him. Now, that doesn't mean you have uh, backslidden, that you're out there in blatant sin, but, man, that relationship could be better. Maybe today's the day you need to come back. Maybe you need to get your attention off a situation, a person, and get your eyes fixed on Jesus again. I'm going to invite us all to stand, the worship team to come back. They've got a song for us to uh, sing in closing again. Let's stand together. I'm going to offer a prayer, and uh, this song will be an opportunity for us to continue to let God speak and to recognize who he is and to continue to worship him and to seek his face. You have altars in this church. I asked that before we came. As uh, I pray and as we linger and we sing, those altars are open. If uh, you would like to come and seek him in that way, uh, please do. Or seek him right where you are. It doesn't matter. He's everywhere in this room today. Amen. Father, we pray and trust that our words, again, don't get in the way of our hearing your word. Hearing you. God, you are a speaking God. You are a God that pursues us. You were there when we were conceived and took our very first breath. You're with us today. You'll be with us when we pass from this life to the next. You love us. God, we invite you to be the very center of our lives. Be with us and give us the ability to acknowledge you in all our coming and going. We trust you to meet us where we are today and lead us where you want us to be. Speak to us now and God help us to do what you tell us to do. Draw us close to you as we, Lord, seek your face, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for teaching us. Sometimes you, you have to hit us right between the eyes, Lord, and I thank you for that too. Lord, we just want to be closer to you, and I pray that this week we'll apply everything that Pastor Ben taught us this morning, Lord, that we will walk into your presence, that we will be intentional about setting time aside, but just be quiet and just be with you. Lord, we need you to be with us all week long, and we know that you're there, but it's up to us to reach out to you and to say, come a little bit closer. Help us to spend more time praying with you, to spend more time in your word, Lord, and to spend more time loving someone into your presence, because that's what we need to do as well. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you for coming and dwelling among us this morning. I wish we could stay in your presence all day, and I know that day's coming. But for now, Lord, we just thank you for being here and being with us anytime we call on you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We will see you on Wednesday night. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired.